Well, I've got to tell you, I didn't, uh, I didn't actually expect as many people here this morning as are here. Because there was a huge crowd out at uh, family camp this weekend, for sure. I was out on fr- uh, Friday night, and they had a, uh, just about 100 people were out there on Friday night, and a bunch more came out during the day on Saturday. So uh, it's a really good group that's out there, and, uh, and they're having a great time. Hopefully, the weather held out for them. We, as, we, as Megan and I were driving into camp on Friday night, it was, an, it was a torrential downpour. Like, I actually just about stopped and, uh, you know, and pulled over so that the rain could uh, subside because I couldn't see. And then uh, we got into camp, and the trees were all dripping wet, so we set this tent up in the, you know, in the dripping wetness. And then it was fine the, pretty much the rest of the weekend. It rained a little, a little bit during the night, but then it was fine all day yesterday. But who knows what happened after I left. So they may have had more rain, and, and I may be go, going, I may have to go pick up Megan this afternoon. I'm guessing that I'm going to go pick up maybe a very sopping wet camper waiting for me when I get there. So we'll have to see. But they were having a great time. It was really a good time out there. And uh, I encourage you next year, if you didn't take a chance to go out this year, if you go next year. Anybody notice anything different this morning? Communion bread. Huh? Okay, now my personal choice is, I hope that Blessings has the old stuff next week when we go to the store to buy some. (laughs) We we went this week to get some new communion bread because we were out and uh, and they just didn't have the regular stuff and so the regular bread and so we we bought something else and and used that this morning but you know it's interesting if if you put those little white wafers in your mouth what happens to them they dissolve do you know why that is there's a reason for that does anybody know it's because of Roman Catholic theology. What do you do as a Roman Catholic, or what, you, what can you not do as a Roman Catholic when you take the communion bread? You can't chew it, because it's the body of Christ. And so it's supposed to melt in your mouth, instead of being able to chew it. And so those wafers are designed to melt in your mouth rather than to be chewed. Little interesting tidbit. See, if you were out at camp, you'd never know this truth. You would have been totally stymied the rest of your life as to what those little wafers are all about, why they melt in your mouth. But that's the reason. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll go back to the uh, to our regular communion bread next week. But if they ordered it, they they told me they were ordering it. They were going to get it in. So hopefully we'll see. Why don't we pray right now? And 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 let me say by the way, I hope you brought your your thinkers with you this morning. We're going to be doing something this morning that's a little bit intellectually oriented. So I I hope that you brought your minds with you today as we head into this sermon time. Let's pray. Holy Father, I just thank you and praise you for the privilege we have of being together and ask your richest blessings on us. Father, we've got a lot of people who are gone this morning as well. They're out at camp this morning and, uh, and hopefully dry and enjoying worship together. And we just pray, God, you'd bless them in every way also. Look forward to next week uh, being back together. And as we get ready to head into our fall together, you'll bless us as we make those plans. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Some of you will know exactly what this is as soon as you see it. Others, not so much. What do you see on the screen? What do you see? What is that? It's Rorschach, for sure. In case you wondered, it's an ink blot. That's what it is. <laughs> but not everybody just looks and says, that's an ink blot. People often look at it and say, it's, uh, let me see. There could be a crab in there, kind of at the bottom. Or what about the two guys that are yelling at each other right in the top in the middle with their mouths wide open? They're kind of smiling, but they're yelling at each other. They both have hats on. Do you see that? 
Okay? Different, you might see different things. Somebody said this morning, I just see a bunch of islands. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay? How about this one? Does anybody see a duck kind of lying down? Like I do. Do you see the monkeys that are facing away from each other? You see that? What's that? Looks to me like a Romulan spacecraft. <laughs> Does anybody see the, the bighorn ram that I see? Do you see the guy who's got two swords in his hands, but he's headless? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I see, Leanne. I see the same thing you see. Okay? And then this one. The only, for some reason, whenever I see this one, all I see is Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Soldiers with guns, okay? Somebody said that, the, that there's two women getting ready to smash each other with rocks. <laughs> well, what is it that determines what you see when you see these ink blots? It's interesting, you know? Psychologists developed this years ago, and it is, in fact, the Rorschach ink blots. They... I, and I think these are the official ones if I, if I got them from the right place on the web. And the reason that they, they put these together the way they did was to evaluate people's psychology. And the idea is that depending on what kind of state of mind you're in, that will determine what you see, which I think is kind of an interesting concept. I don't know if it's true. Like, how do we know that it's your psychology that tells you this and not what you had for breakfast? What if you have an upset stomach? What if you don't like uh, you don't like cornflakes and that's all that you had to eat this morning? That's going to throw you for a loop. Who knows what you'll see? If you like raisin bran, but all you got is cornflakes, cornflakes, it may be that you're going to see raisin bran in every ink blot because that's what you're wanting. So I don't know. I don't know if this is going to sh- show psychological disorders, but I can say that it is true that what goes on inside of us impacts greatly the things that we see and that we understand. It was about 70 years ago that a a scientist named Michael Polanyi, yeah, we got people still evaluating this. You guys are all looking at this still thinking, what's in there, aren't you? I can see that. Let me go on to the next slide. (laughs) Um, about, About 70 years ago, Michael Polanyi, a scientist, started talking about how scientific evaluations are oftentimes influenced by the person who does the scientific study. Okay, so you look at data differently depending on who you are. And everything is like that, even something like numbers. So we look at this. We see, how many, how many dollars do I have up there on the screen? What is it? A million dollars. Is that a lot of money? Of course it is. But not if you're Bill Gates. Okay? It's all relative. If I walked up to Bill Gates and I said, is a million dollars a lot of money? It, when you have billions... When you have billions of dollars, a million dollars is not much. Like a million dollars to Bill Gates is probably less than a thousand dollars to me. It's all kind of relative. And then what's interesting is, how many of you can't even see the million dollars up there? Okay? It's a very good possibility that there's somebody in the auditorium right now who's afraid to raise their hand, but they don't see what everybody else sees. Why is that? 
because they're colorblind. And I specifically chose these colors because these are colors that are oftentimes confused or not easily seen by somebody who is colorblind. And so it could be that if you're colorblind this morning, that against this pink background, which you wouldn't see as pink, you can't see the million dollars that's green, which you wouldn't see as green. Okay? And so our who we are and our psychology greatly determines the way that we see things. How about this? Is that a high number or a low number? Based on what? What if I said, give me the total of the number of weeks in the year. Did I get very many or did I not? And you would say, I got them all. It's a high number. What if I said, is this high or low based on, uh, say, infinity? (laughs) It's very low, extremely low, if you're going to measure it against infinity. What if I did this? High or low? High. Oh, it's high. It's really high. The campers out there, they're hoping that it's not 52 degrees centigrade outside. Okay? And so you can quickly see how just a little bit of context is going to definitely change how we look at things. You know, in our society, we do this all the time now. We talk about how everything is relative. That there is no truth. Everything is relativized. It's interesting that in Western society that way, that we're that way, but last week I talked about a certain group in northern Iraq. Do you remember the group I talked about? Talked about ISIS or ISIL or the Islamic State, whatever one wants to call them. Talk to them about relativism. Try and explain to them that there is all kinds of truth. That there is, in fact, no solid truth. That everything is relative. And what they think is truth isn't really truth at all. Try and tell them about that. They would definitely say that there is truth. They'd have no problem in letting you know. And they may kill you if you disagree with what they perceive to be truth. Well, what do we do with all of this as Christians? Like, what do we do with the claim in our world and by our society that there is no such thing as truth? And the first thing I want to say is, is that I absolutely believe that there is truth. And in fact, I don't think it's that hard to show that this whole notion of relativism doesn't ultimately work. Now, I said a moment ago that I want you to put your heads on this morning. You're going to have to have your brains with you because we're going to do just for a moment here. We're going to do some pretty heavy thinking. Okay. So right now, if you're thinking, you know, Kelly, I just want a sermon that tells me a nice, sweet, encouraging story. You're not going to get it in the next few minutes. Okay. This is all rational stuff, not heart stuff for a moment here. You're going to have to do some thinking with me, but I want to, I want to take you there. Okay. I want you to see this. Let's talk for a moment about the origin of everything. Now, this is interesting. And you th- a lot of us w- would think, well, I, you know, I don't want to talk about the origins of everything. I don't want to talk about philosophy. I don't want to talk about science. But if you think about it, we do this all the time. It is not an uncommon question for people to say, how do you think things began? Like, what started all of this? We ask that question, actually, quite often. I hear it all the time. And this morning... I came up with something that I think is really good in terms of answering that question, okay? But I'm serious, but you kind of have to go with me as we talk through this. So the first point here, this is an option, okay? The origin of everything 
Here's an option and see if this doesn't work. Letter A. Material things are eternal. The universe is eternal. Everything just exists and it always has. Now there is nothing actually irrational about that. I don't believe it. But there's nothing irrational about that possibility. So that seems to me like if people are just going to come up with a possibility, how is it that things are here? Well, it's because they were always here. Which, if you think about it, isn't that much different than saying that God is always there. Okay? So everything just exists. That's a possibility. I don't believe it, but that's a possibility. Letter B. Everything material, or the universe, had a beginning with the foundations of whatever started everything, the material universe, being eternal. In other words, it seems to me like either everything that we know and we see is eternal or something that was eternal brought everything else into existence. And I can't think of any other possibilities. Like what else would be a possibility? Either everything that is material, everything that you know, the whole natural universe, everything that's there, either it is all eternal or something eternal brought it into existence. And the reason I say this, the main reason, is because of something that you hear all the time. Something doesn't come from nothing. Something doesn't come from nothing. And so you can't, if you've got nothing, get things started. It just doesn't work. If everything is just nothing, then for nothing to suddenly turn into something, it just can't happen. That seems to me an absurdity, an impossibility. And so if there is something, either that something is eternal, because it's always been there, or something else that is eternal got everything natural going. And, and the fact is that I, like you, have an opinion, most of us, I think, have an opinion about how that is. It actually makes way more sense to me that there is a God who got everything going than that there was just material things. And there's a reason for that, too. Somebody mentioned it to me earlier this morning after the first service. What is it that we know about our universe and about material things, and even Scripture talks about it. Scripture says that everything is dust. Everything is passing away. And if that's the case, how is it, if it's dust and it's passing away, how is it that it could possibly be eternal? And the answer is that it can't. And so it makes total sense to me that letter B here is the best option that we have. That God has, in fact, created our world. That he is, in fact, the truth. That has created everything and allows it to come together. Now, a lot of times we don't remember what happened in the sermon last week. Okay? A lot of times Kelly doesn't remember what happened in the sermon last week. But is there anybody here who knows what I preached about last week? I, it's, it's a test. And if we fail, well, it's like eternal life is lost or something. I don't know. 
Can anybody tell me what we talked about last week in the sermon time? Faith? And faith specifically in what? What are we going to be faithful toward? Of course, Leanne, thank you very much. We're going to be faithful toward God. And I said some some specific things about this God that we were faithful toward last week. I talked about how he is a moral and loving God and that love is right at the center of who he is and that we're faithful toward that loving God. Well, I think it's wonderful to think about the fact that not only do we have a moral, loving God, but one who is responsible for everything that is. And that's the God that we serve. And so here we are this morning talking about origins and trying to say to the rest of the world, look, there is good reason for thinking about and believing in God and not only just in God, but in a moral and loving God. This is the kind of God that we serve. And we have been talking about for weeks now the blessings, the privileges of being a Christian. What is better as a Christian than being servants? of a moral and loving God who is the creator of our universe and who stands as the truth above all that is. We have a world that says there's no such thing as truth. And we shout back, not just that there's truth, but that there is a moral, loving God who represents that truth for us. That, to me, is exciting. I like it. I like the fact that I am a person who's committed to a moral, loving God who is in control of all things and brought them all into being. And so there is, in fact, truth in our world. There are things that we can stand on with great reasons for standing behind Christ the way that we do and believing in him. Listen to the claims of Scripture. Here's what Scripture says about the question of whether or not there's truth. Here's some things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. Well, isn't that exactly what I just said was intellectually necessary? Like rationally, It can only make sense to me that God created the heavens and the earth, that there was an eternal something that brought everything else material into existence. It's exactly what Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says. And I actually believe that that's totally true and that this is a truth on which we can stand. How about this one? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. I absolutely believe that is a core truth of what it means to be alive, to understand who the word is, that Jesus has been there from the beginning, helping his father to create, that he brings things into reality, and that nothing that exists, exists without him. I think this is just a truth that needs to be held to. Here's another one. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whatever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, we act sometimes as though this is just a child's scripture. One that children would remember. One that everybody else can quote. But it is so profound when you recognize that there is a God who did something for our world because he loved our world and sends his son that we might gain everlasting life. It's it's the profound truth of existence to know this and absolutely true. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. 
do, do you believe that that's true? Like, if you believe that that's true, it, it means necessarily that there are some other things that are not true. Like, you can't believe this and also believe that the group that's sweeping through northern Iraq is also speaking the truth. There is not some element of truth to what ISIS is doing or to what some other faith is doing if this is true. If Jesus is the truth, then nothing else is true because Jesus is the truth. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I didn't say that. I didn't write that. Scripture writes that. It's Scripture who says that he who has the Son has life, and he who doesn't have the Son does not have life. Do we believe that God was telling the truth when he said that? Is it the Son who gives us life, and is it only the Son who gives us life? Absolutely it is. And Scripture makes this claim about who Jesus is. How about this? Listen to these words. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Do you hear that? Salvation is found in no one else. And that means that I can't go to some other faith and pull some ingredient out of it and go to another faith and bring some ingredient out of it and pull all of these things together in some amalgamated faith and realize at the end that I have life because of this amalgamation. It doesn't work that way. God is the truth. Jesus, his son, is the truth. Life comes in this one. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And we need to preach this and stand there and be firm in the things that we believe about who Jesus is. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And the fact is, it is not through another. It's through him that we receive life and no other. Whoever believes in him, I, I blew this slide. I, I should have fixed it during the services and I forgot. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God, the text says, from John three seventeen. This comes on the heels of that great passage in John three sixteen that we always quote. You stand condemned already if you don't believe in the name of the Son of God. That's, that is strong language. But are we willing to stand there with that kind of strong language and strong affirmation of truth? Scripture says this about our Lord. Do we believe that this is true about Jesus? And then I want you to listen to this from Jesus himself. This is the discussion that Jesus is having with Pilate at the end. In the Gospel of John, Pilate comes and he's talking to Jesus and investigating and inquiring. He's interviewing him. Who are you? Jesus says to Pilate, you are right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the world. And what does he say? Look at what he says. To testify to the truth. And when he says the truth there, he's talking about the truth, the 
truth available to humankind about reality. What is reality? What is this truth? It has to do with who Jesus is. Everyone on the side of truth, and what does it say? Listens to me. That's what Jesus says. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. We have a world of people who don't necessarily listen to Jesus. Maybe because they don't know him. They've never heard of him. They don't understand. Some just out and out reject him. But Jesus says that everyone on the side of truth listens to him. And we have people everywhere who need to hear about him, who need to listen to him. And we need to be people who constantly stand up and say, there is truth in our world and Jesus is it. Let's pray. Lord, we believe in you. We believe that you are the truth. And I'm so grateful for what it means to be a Christian who believes in the truth. We're grateful, God, that you have communicated of yourself through Jesus. You've given us a perfect revelation. You've revealed yourself to us in Jesus. And I'm so grateful, God, that you've shown us exactly who you are, that you've told us the truth, that you've given us your word, and that this is a place where we can stand. Help us always to stand there defending the truth of the gospel. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.